Hi, I'm Rob, and he's Ed. Hi. And together with the Thirst, king of podcasts. Welcome to Pint Size Philosophy, the show that applies a philosophical eye to contemporary issues. And today, Ed, we're going to be talking about weed. <laughs> oh, are we now? Yeah. Interesting. You've been a naughty boy. Uh, have I? Yeah. Oh, dear. Anyway, recent news. Oh, Over good, in America, yeah. there's been some uh, stories surrounding some rumblings. News. Yeah. Uh, Colorado and Washington became the first U.S. states to legalize the possession of sale of marijuana for recreational use on Tuesday in defiance of federal law. Nice. Setting the stage for a possible showdown with the new Obama administration. <laughs> Congrats, by the way. Possible showdown. <laughs> this is great. This is great. Go on, please. Uh, but another ballot measure to remove criminal penalties for personal possession and cultivation of recreational cannabis was defeated in Oregon where a lot less money and campaign organisation was devoted to the cause. So do you think that that's why it failed? I think so, yeah. Were there any any other issues? Because um, I, I remember it was a slightly different... Yeah, the, the laws that are passed uh, are as follows. Uh, under the recreational marijuana measures in Colorado and Washington, personal possession of up to an ounce of marijuana would be legal for anyone at least 21 years of age. It would also permit cannabis to be legally sold and taxed at state-licensed state stores in a system modelled after a regime many states have pl- put in place for alcohol sales. Okay. However, uh, what Oregon were going for, Yeah. Uh, Oregon's initiative would have legalised state-licensed sales as well as p- possession and cultivation of unlimited amounts of pot for personal recreational use. Right, so it's so that, sort of different, yeah, it's different kettle of fish. A different between an ounce, yeah. uh, which is 28.5 grams for nice. you British listeners. Nice. And unlimited. Okay. So that's maybe well that Well, that, I mean, that the, one the first question, how much, how much weed does a man need? <laughs> we can't possibly, can't possibly deal with that for right all, now. For all you um, state licensed sales, yes. that should be one of your slogans. <laughs> how much weed does a man need? <laughs> well, yeah, except the answer's an ounce yeah obviously in washington um, and yes. colorado um well it's, it's interesting you should you should you should bring up this this weed issue i i did follow the case yeah i thought it was really interesting yeah. i thought it was i mean i'm gonna come right off the bat right off the bat and say i don't really have an issue with no with i weed. i, I don't i mean to be legalized when you look at other factors which are uh as which are people are claiming it's going to be likened to such as alcohol Mm. and obesity i can't really see that um many negatives so i've got some got some cons here on my little bit of paper and the main the main things that the opposition have against that that this bill's been passed is the amount of accidents so people are worried about the number of accidents is is going to increase because of uh driving under the influence of marijuana just like alcohol yeah so that'll be an interesting one i think because i think when most people get high they don't want to you know, drive around. Well, senseless. it's a case of driving to McDonald's, isn't it? I think <laughs> exactly. That's the issue. Or any other fast chain food. We, yeah. we don't endorse McDonald's here at the Thirst Podcast. Yeah, no, no, of course not. Um, there's, there's the obvious health risks. Um, mm. uh, over the years, it has been shown to uh, deteriorate people's minds. But then, on the other hand, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because people undergoing stress and cancer, things like that, it's shown to help people with them. Uh, yeah. Other other arguments against is that it's a gateway drug, so people will try try weed and then move immediately yeah, onto I, meth and cocaine. That's just that, the way you go. That is just absolute rubbish. I mean, in my in my personal experience, I've never seen that happen. Hmm. And you you know, I've been some you know been to the back end of some some down and out alleys <laughs> between you and me, Rob. Um, what what you do there's your business. Yeah, of course, mine. well, 
interesting you say that because that is the very the very topic of this exactly podcast we'll come um, into. last but not least they think Go it's on. going to be detrimental to people under 21 hence it's the 21 yeah but, oh sorry it's going to be detrimental to people under 21 yeah well just just smoking. just like alcohol right um people under 21 in the u.s and under 18 in the uk right are regularly exposed to drinks advertising okay yeah and i think i saw a survey that like 75 percent of people under 16 have admitted to being drunk at least once already so, wow yeah really yeah so they're, they're 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 worried that the advertising of pot is going to be have the same effect as alcohol okay so no, that's right. They're, they're the cons. Yeah, no, I've got, I've got your cons there. I've got your cons. I understand that. I mean, I guess my my point is what everyone says is that the only reason, sticking with the US, the only reason that weed hasn't been legalized yet is, and alcohol and cigarettes have, is because alcohol and cigarettes have been for such a long time a staple part of mm. culture. I mean, certainly in this country. Whereas weed's sort of a fairly new thing. I mean, if you look at it scientifically, yes, there are. Uh, bad effects to weed but there are far 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 worse effects for yeah, alcohol, yeah, alcohol and, and, smoking, and cigarettes yeah. so I mean my opinion on weed is yeah legalise it if you're going to legalise the other drugs um, mm. alcohol and cigarettes but I think the important point for us in this podcast we're going to be discussing not just weed Yeah, uh, we're going to be discussing the conception of a nanny state which I believe you do you have the definition or would you like me to Yeah, just... I've got the definition Go here. Nanny state is a term of British origin and primary use that conveys a view that government or its policies are overprotecting or interfering unduly with personal choice. Excellent. Well, so basically the government treating the general public like a child, I yeah. think is a... Very... Yeah, it's a sort of paternalistic, you shouldn't do that, you should do this influence. Yeah. And the reason I think that the weed issue is interesting is because I think... Um, while, as we've just said, we both haven't got a problem with legalising marijuana, uh, it might be the case that perhaps the government could do a little bit more about uh, obesity, you mentioned earlier, or smoking oh, or alcohol, drinking. I mean, look at the lager lout culture that we have in Britain. It's just... Yeah, I've got a couple of facts to, to, com- to compare here Go for on. you immediately. Of course you do. Course you do. Um, it's like you've the- researched it. Yeah, I know. It's unbelievable. Well, in, in the UK... Um, the NHS spends a staggering four billion a year, but within four years, uh, that figure is expected to rise to six point three billion. And this this was said sixteenth of May two thousand eleven. So he's predicting by two thousand and fifteen, six point three billion pounds will be spent on obesity in the UK. That's not just obesity; that's um, you know diseases which stem from obesity oh, right, as well. related issues. Yeah. So well, that that that's a lot of money. That and, is a lot of. And money. And I think the sort of <laughs> There's almost a feeling that I mean I don't want to I don't want to be too harsh here, but almost a feeling that they've made themselves like that. So why should mm. British taxpayers be be paying to bail them out? But that we're we're on we're on sticky ground here. So let's leave that. But I think the nanny state issue is an interesting one because stats like that show that you know, the general public isn't the healthiest in Britain. I think it was in New York that, that it was 50% of people are obese. Yeah, we read that earlier today, didn't we? 50% <laughs> of shameful. adults are obese, yeah. Um, so you do, on the one hand, you have this sort of sense that, well, if they can't look after themselves, if human beings, if we can't 
behave in our best interest perhaps somebody should tell us and i do think human beings do have that we're all basically children is my belief we mm. all have this please save us from ourselves because we can't do it ourselves and you expect this nanny figure to come in and say stop eating mud you're going to be ill um, <laughs> well, interestingly uh, in 2004 the king's fund which is an independent think tank yeah. for the for the british government conducted okay. a survey of more than 1000 people and it found that people favored uh, policies um, that combated behaviours such as eating, drinking, poor diet and public smoking. Right. And people favoured policies that lent towards the nanny state. Okay. That, that, is, that is very interesting because I was just about to say that while on the one hand you do mm. have this sort of apparently widely held belief that human beings can't look after themselves and, and who better than a government to advise them. There is also this sort of um, view that, well, freedom has become a a political virtue it's the supreme political virtue and we like to think that it's nobody's place let alone a government to lecture us on how to live and and that's got strong philosophical origins um it's basically a libertarian ideology uh and the idea is that you know the idea that a government might teach us anything is, is <laughs> abhorrent and the notion this notion of sort of freedom being the most important thing in political life can be traced back to People like John Stuart Mill, who we touched on in our utilitarian podcast, episode six, I think, of Bottled Wisdom, obviously. Um, and, and, and Mill says, uh, the only purpose for which power can be rightfully exercised over any member of a civilized community against his will is to prevent harm to others. In other words, harm you might cause to yourself. That's fine. Is, yeah. <laughs> Interestingly, I think it's quite funny that he... He specifies over any member of a civilized community, obviously, because at that time in the 1850s, the British Empire was, of course, uh, rightfully exercising a great deal of power over the so-called uncivilized communities in the backwaters yeah. of mm -hmm. Australia, etc. But anyway, that's another point. So the the sort of um, the sort of feeling embodied in that writing, and I think it really has lingered on till today, is that the foibles of citizens should be placed well beyond the government. And Christopher Hitchens was speaking about this, I think it was 2004, just when New York had um, come in with their smoking rules. They were, New York was the first state to, to ban smoking anywhere public. Mm -hmm. um, and Christopher Hitchens said the most creepiest kinds of tyranny are the kinds that are done for your own interests. And it's this sort of image like, you know, I'm an adult. Yeah. Why do they get to make decisions on my behalf? Why do they, why do they indeed? I mean, I would, I would argue that the people that you've elected and have conducted the research would would like to make the best interest for you. I mean, we've spoken before about our people, you know, born good or bad. You'd like yeah. to think that people that are, you've put into power and have all the facts would make the right decision for you. I think that's interesting what you say there because there is a sharp divide between conduct that's subject to law and conduct that we like to think subject to personal morality. So... Mm. The, the, the Hobbesian view that, that, you know, human beings are essentially not very nice people and need to be kept in check. That's perfectly compatible with a non-nanny state because what you'd have there is a government that puts anyone who breaks the law in jail, as I like to think ours does, but yeah. doesn't infringe on anything else. So, in other words, they punish the transgressors, but they don't lecture them morally because, hey, it's on their business. It's the sort of, you break the rules, you go to jail. If not, I don't care. Just, just speaking about jail, I found an absolutely incredible fact earlier. What's that? About one of the pros of the uh, 
this new marijuana thing, just touching on it again. Oh, yeah. Apparently, uh, nearly 40% of everyone in jail are in for possession of marijuana. <laughs> and if marijuana was legalized, these inmates would be let out on really? our jail, and their jails would uh, yeah, clear up so they could put criminals in who have done more serious crimes. What do you make of that? Uh, wow. <laughs> 40%. That's, that's incredible. I, um, I think James is just going to check my mess. That's what's that, two out of five people? Producer James crunching the numbers. Yeah, uh, yeah he's giving me the Scratching thumbs up. Two head. out of five people are in there because of marijuana possession. In America, was this? In America, yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty strange. Yeah. Um, perhaps goes to show that the American society may have been criminalizing marijuana a bit too much at the expense of various other drugs or actions. But anyway... Um, to get back to the point, yeah, so so it does really seem to be this conflict. I mean, my initial response when when, when, when you discussed doing the nanny state was it, it was the sort of libertarian, no, no one gets to take my bottle of beer away from me if I want it. <laughs> um, but actually, it does seem to me that Sometimes we do need to be told what what's in our best interest. What what's in our best interests? I think you do need to be told what's in your best interest. But is that by making decisions for you, or is it by giving you information? That is a really interesting point, and it's something that was touched on by um, Alain de Botton in a point of view. Um, well, he basically says that surely modern commercialism absolutely destroys the libertarian yeah. notion that we're absolutely free to make up our own minds because. The mere existence of a billion pound advertising world ensures that we're nudged all the time. You know, it's yeah. it's just another way of people telling us what to do. Don't buy this, buy that. And yet when the government comes up and pokes their head up and says, please don't eat that fifth burger, you really don't know. <laughs> Everyone says, hey, bruh, I've got my rights, man, I've got my rights. And I thought that was really, I'd never thought of it. Either. Yeah. I think it's really interesting. So if advertisements are acceptable which the advertising world shows and, and they are. They, these ones are clearly slurred as well in yeah. favour of the companies to make money. Exactly. Not so, for your best interests. So why not just run adverts for good stuff mm. alongside the adverts for bad stuff? I can't remember the last time I saw an advert for an apple. No, I mean, you, <laughs> you get the you get the um, don't drink and drive adverts. Yeah. I remember actually one of my friends But they're funded by the government. That. Yeah, funded by Just the government. Not to make money. No, no, exactly. <laughs> and I'm, I remember my friend kicking off about that. Sort of... I guess yeah. with the impression of I want to drink and drive, I will. Okay, we, we won't touch on that. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because you let everything else pass you by. All these mm. other random adverts for Hoovers, or what <laughs> have you, pretty much telling you exactly the same thing: do this, do that, don't yeah. do this. Um, so yeah, I thought that was I thought that was quite interesting. I'll tell you what is interesting, Ed. I was reading, as I always do, around the subject, and I've, we, we found out, didn't we, that in New York, the mayor Michael Bloomberg. Yeah. Um, has brought in a new plan. And under the plan, all restaurants, fast food joints, delis, movie theatres, sports stadiums, and even food cart will be barred from selling sugar-sweetened sugar sweetened drinks in cups larger than 16 ounces. And we should say that 16 ounces is a pint for all you British, hardy British boys out there. Yeah. Um, the limits will not apply to drinks sold in grocery stores, diet sodas, drinks that are more than 70% fruit juice, or that contain alcohol, and dairy drinks containing more than 50% milk will also be allowed, thanks to their redeeming nutritional qualities. I've got that in inverted commas. Nice. <laughs> Though that's little solace for frappuccino lovers, since the Starbucks treats contain far less milk than that. Of course. So, of course. Right, so the idea is basically 
taking away the sort of supersized side of things. Yeah. Because, I mean, who drinks a pint of Fanta? I do. When? Uh, When I go to a pub. What, a pint of orange juice and lemonade? I wouldn't drink that. I'd only drink... Although, we're we're talking about, like I said, restaurants and fast food joints. We're not talking about bars and places like that. Okay, okay. And cinemas? Yeah, movie theatres and sports because stadiums. to be fair, that is... Cin- yeah. Cinema, I can understand, because you do go to cinema... When you're you, drinking you large, large your popcorn. One. <laughs> yeah, and you literally could sit in it. <laughs> yeah. and Bathe. You could drown it. in that. Yeah. Um, that's, the, that's an interesting point, because you see, that brings out both the tensions I, I have with, with the issue. I mean, we, have, we haven't... We mentioned drugs. We didn't really t- touch on obesity, mm. uh, which is, as, as we said, a massive issue. 50% of adults in... New York are obese, so why why shouldn't a government bring this in? But equally, if a, if a man wants to go and treat his woman to a large bucket, pint, of, <laughs> yeah, a bucket of soda, why why shouldn't he? And so, so that's what I mean. It brings out the two issues. I mean, well, I've got another ideas? another interesting point here. Oh, um, so many interesting points. The plan, which requires no other authorization other than the Board of Health's vote, right. has elicited outrage from many. However, not normally, for, not from the public, as so to speak, but from the beverage industry, which is now launching an aggressive million-dollar lobbying campaign against the restrictions. And they're, they're the ones accusing of uh, accusing Bloomberg of running a nanny state. Because they'll lose money? Yeah. Right. Pretty much. I see. I see. I see. Um, I mean, we should mention Bloomberg's other nanny state-ish uh, policies. Yeah, go for it. Um, this is taken from Wikipedia, so anyone's <laughs> edited it. It could have been producer James randomly beating at his keyboard. But uh, what I've gathered is that in recent months, he's banned food donations to homeless shelters because the city is unable to t- to monitor the sodium content of the donated food. Well, I think that's a good counter-argument, isn't it? How far is too far? And when that you look at something ridiculous. as specific as that. That is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, that is. Uh, just, just uh, <laughs> I mean, wow. Um also, uh, apparently, um, he has officially made the jump from figurative to literal nanny, uh, <laughs> according to this article. <laughs> Basically, what he's doing, starting on September the 3rd, I assume this year, I didn't check, I confess, um, the city will encourage hospitals to hide baby formula behind locked doors in an effort to trick new mothers into breastfeeding trick i love well that. no he's he said encourage brackets oh, trick okay um <laughs> brackets trick and i think that, okay. that that that's a great demonstration i mean like you were saying earlier the research supports the fact that mm. breast milk is better for kids than this formula stuff and yet what right does the government have t- to get involved at that stage well i think if anything that's probably the better thing to do because i know in the uk now that um public places which sell cigarettes aren't allowed to have them on display right uh, i think that's probably better than banning cigarettes altogether yeah no but I, to, to cut a, the a moderated approach yeah it's no not, and, it's, and i think that's probably maybe what needs to be done with the legalization of marijuana as well not to advertise it everywhere although there it will it will I now mean, that we've the given them that near, slogan yeah, the slogan go yeah. green or whatever you know whatever it was. <laughs> how much weed does a man need yes um but maybe do the same thing as they've done with smoking here and not keep it behind locked doors, but just keep it out of the way. And then yeah. if, if you want it, it's no big deal. It's legal. You can easily go and get it. But it's not being thrust in your face. The advertising point is is a good one. Uh, mm. You know, you mentioned that it was the uh, the soda companies that were kicking off. Um, 
And with regards to the cigarettes, you know, they banned advertising on Formula One cars, mm. which used to bring in extortionate amounts of revenue to Formula One. And uh, you can't have cigarette uh, advertising on their cars anymore. And that is an interesting point because it's a way of combating without being a real nanny state, without sort of snatching baby formula or forbidding baby formula. It's yeah. sort of giving people another option, making them aware of the other option. The danger, I think, is what happens if they still want the baby formula. Yeah. Um, and I think it can go too far. This this sort of nanny state idea can go too far. I mean, I wonder, is there any connection between the fact that America is arguably the world's foremost country and it has the largest obesity? Is it is that just a byproduct of being a successful liberal democracy? Well, until China overtakes it in five years' time, we won't know, will we? <laughs> five years? I'm surprised you give them that long. Um, anyway, I'd like to I'd like to end um, on a more light-hearted note for once because I don't have any solid final thoughts. So I I know I know it's gobsmacking. I would like to throw down the gauntlet to our listeners, and and I'd like to ask them if they were running a nanny state, what sort of policies would they like? To introduce uh, and you can email us at the first podcast at gmail.com and i wonder rob do you have any anything you'd like to tackle just to kick us off any issues you'd like to see um dealt with in your nanny state mm. uh, that's a good one actually i think probably just off the top of my head i'd i think I was watching Jamie Oliver a couple of years ago and you know when he was going on about the school lunches and he had this yeah. massive riot about yeah. unhealthy food. What I do... We should have mentioned that. Yeah, especially in supermarkets. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I think I'd bundle all the stuff that's bad for you, so like high saturated fat, yeah. high sugar, etc., etc., loads of preservatives, bung it all together in a couple of aisles and then block them off at each end. Right. And then the only way you can enter these aisles is through tubes of very specific diameters right so if if you're a gentleman or lady of a certain girth right then you're not going to be able to wriggle through and get your your cream puffs <laughs> <laughs> no is that good it's incredibly degrading thank you rob but i i i support it wholeheartedly as i was you anything that? you implemented and on that note i think it's time to draw things to a close because mm. you know we've got that date at mcdonald's exactly um yeah, as Ed said, if you've got any suggestions for uh, Ed and Rob's nanny state, then you can get in touch with us via the normal means. Visit us on our website, www.thethirstpodcast.com or via email, which Mr. Fraser said earlier, thethirstpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Facebook and Twitter. Um, hashtag Ed and Rob is the one you can use if you want to specifically speak to us. Mm -hmm. And we're at Thirst Podcast. And last but not least... Like and give us five stars on Pint Size Philosophy on iTunes. Thanks for listening, and in the meantime, stay thirsty, everyone. I always do. We've got another one stuck in the tube. Can we have <laughs> Team A?